The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Let me, uh, I'll be very, very brief. Uh, you know, tornadoes only last second, so a lot can be done in just, <laughs> just a few minutes here. But Amen, I, I'm, I'm going to read a, just a passage of Scripture here. One, because Brother Chris has given me a complex about coming up here. Because uh, I feel like when I come, I put you in a bind. No, no, and uh, no. we are blessed to have a lot of preachers. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five here tonight. Uh, there's three here regularly. Uh, Bethlehem, we have three, and then we've got uh, Brother McNeil's exercise, and so there's a lot of preachers, That's right. a lot of people that are burdened to preach. Uh, don't feel bad, I preached to the steering wheel all the way up here, so I got to <laughs> preach tonight, okay? I didn't get to preach tonight. Um, but obviously, the Lord has blessed the area. Uh, now, I don't know if that means that He's raising up people to go to other places, right. or if there's a harvest here we just hadn't seen yet. Amen. I don't know. Uh, and I try not to strain too much to try to figure it out because all I end up doing is wearing myself out. Uh, and as the saying goes, to think you know the mind of God is pride at its best. Uh, so um, let me just say this. Uh, don't fret over it, brother. Because I'm going to read some scriptures here that I hope will bring all of those thoughts uh, to light in just a second. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, in verse 5, it says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It says, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now I want you to notice what he says. He says, Now he that planteth, which he referred to Apollos, I mean, referred to himself as being the one that planted. He says, basically, now I have planted, and it says, and Apollos watered, and he says, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Yes. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. That's right, brother. Whether I'm up here saying it, or Brother Amen. Joe's up here saying it, or Brother John Morgan's up here saying it, we're all one. Amen. We're all laboring together Amen. for a common purpose. Amen. And if you think about, uh, I love what uh, um, John the Baptist says when he's asked, who is he? Who are you? He had the greatest platform in the world. That's right. He's the, he's the last great prophet before uh, the Son of God came. Amen. He had every reason to puff his chest out and to say, yeah, I've got the spirit uh, of Elias and I'm the last great prophet and I'm going to make straight the way of the Lord. I'm going to be the one that gets to, to say, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And so they ask him, who are you? And all he says is, I'm a voice. That's right. That's all Amen. he said. He said, I'm just a voice. And that's what a preacher is. We're Amen. just voices. Amen. And whether it's my voice or John Morgan's voice or Brother Joe's voice does not matter. Right. Now, obviously, we all want to preach because God's called us and He's put the right. fire inside of us to do that. Right. And the Lord has opened up opportunities. But if you get it right or you get it wrong, He that planteth and He that watereth are one. Amen. All right? So if I go out and sow some seeds and Brother Joe reaps the harvest, praise God. Praise God. If he sows seeds and Brother John Morgan reaps the harvest, praise God. That's right. So don't get too bent out of shape trying to figure it out because we're all the same. We're all the same. We're all one. And that voice, that one, should do nothing but point people to the Lord. That's all it should be. Uh, Preacher egos are... are, uh, a pet peeve of mine. That's right. You know, I don't think we ought to have egos because John the Baptist didn't even give his name. Amen. He just said, I'm just a voice. Amen. That's all he said. So That's right. uh, whether you got it right or whether you got it wrong, the Lord is going to be here. And he's Amen. going to be in it. So let me offer a word of prayer and then Brother Joe come up. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do love you so much. God, our sins are piled as high as the mountaintops. But Lord, you stand ready to forgive. 
Lord, you're patient with us. You love us. You're tender to us. Lord, and I pray that you see past our flesh and you remember that, Lord, that we are but flesh, that you do continue to have compassion on us. Lord, and for the people that came tonight, I pray that you will just send your spirit, Lord, that we could bathe in that river. Lord, I pray that you will bless the brothers that come to speak. Lord, and I pray that you will bless those that hear it, that we can leave out of here having a better understanding of you, Lord, that we could feel revived, Lord, that we can feel the, 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 spirit, the spirit flow through us, Lord, that we can see the world grow strangely dim, Lord, that we could focus on things that matter, Lord, that we could press further into the kingdom. Lord, I pray for, for all those things tonight. Lord, I pray that you will show us our sin. Lord, we're so good at hiding it. I pray, pray that you'll re reveal that to us, that you'll convict us of that, and that you will prompt us to confess that so we can be healed and draw closer to you. Those that, for those that are sick and hurting tonight, Lord, I pray that you comfort them in a great way. Lord, I pray that the, uh, the temporal things of this life will not uh, be mountains in their heads, but they'll focus on eternity, that they'll realize that we all do fade as a leaf. Lord, this life is just a vapor. And Lord, wherever we are in this life, wherever we're walking, whatever circumstances that we have, that your kingdom will be on the forefront of our minds and we will not let the things of this world get in our way. And they will not be contrary to the things that you would have us to think about, things that we would do. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen our fellowships and our unity with one another. And Lord, as, uh, as these brothers come and they open the word of life, that you'll bless them, help them to keep the right perspective of what our job is, what our mission is, as people that are called to preach. Lord, help us to not be competitors. Help us to not uh, uh, go against each other. But help us to truly see that it's you that must increase and that we must decrease. Lord, and I pray that you will uh, bring a harvest of the things that are planted and the things that are watered. And that you'll give us wisdom and you'll help us to be wise as, as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Most of all, Lord, as we come to this, this pasture, that you'll feed us, that you'll revive us, and that you'll strengthen us. And that you'll comfort us in the mighty ways that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. 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 Appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I hope Brother Chris knows that every time I come here, I'm you know, not necessarily having to stand in this wonderful spot but uh since my name has been called i want to try to answer and i want to try to bring a few thoughts to your mind today something i've tried to speak on at home a bit here lately um and i'd like to read a verse in first thessalonians two verses actually in first thessalonians chapter 5 verses 23 and 24 and the very god of peace sanctify you wholly and i pray god your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Verse 24, he tells you very plainly, who is it that does the preserving? Yeah, and right. said, faithful is he, the Lord, and that's he will right. do it. Right. What he's promised to do, he will do. All the promises of God in him, in Christ Jesus, in him are yea and in him amen. And so it's very important for us to recognize and realize that the world has been bewitched into thinking things about salvation and preservation that are not so. Yeah. They believe that you can be saved today, but if you can mess up, say the wrong word, think the wrong litany of thoughts, and somehow fall out of that preserving grace of the Lord. But my friends, uh, sometimes we hear about the tulip doctrines, 
And I love to, I've loved to try to preach on that. The P being preservation and grace. Right. But I want you to understand something. There's a difference in most people's idea about perseverance and preservation. Yeah. Yeah, right. now, there's nothing wrong when you read old writings and they say that uh, we persevere in grace. Right. If they're referring to the Lord is the one doing the persevering. Yeah, that's right. There's a big difference. We should persevere. The Lord will persevere. Amen. We should uh, seek the preserving of the grace of the Lord daily and temporally while we live here, but the Lord will preserve. He will sanctify holy body, soul, and spirit because he's faithful. Right. Preservation is in him. And so I want to try to look at that. Now, first and foremost, uh, I, I want to try to, to say this. We don't teach these things to try to embolden people to fall away. Amen. You don't preach the truth of Jesus Christ about his unfailing grace to get somebody to take that unfailing grace for granted. That's right. Amen. Unfortunately, many times people will do that, but that should not be our aim in Amen. preaching the gospel. Amen. We should hold up the truth and encourage people yes. to uh, follow in it in the way that it should be followed in. Right. And that should be with a sense of appreciation for what the Lord's done for you. If the Lord's done a work for you that he has preserved and will not fail away, God knows his people should not look at it with the attitude of, oh, well, well that just gives me licentious spirit. That should give me liberty to go out and live however I want. Now, brother and sister, that is a gross misinterpretation right. of the word of God if someone mm -hmm. was to do that. It is possible for one of God's children to fall by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. It is possible for God's children to die in a state of rebellion That's against right. the Lord. Amen. Now, somebody say, well, you need to prove that. Well, you can go to Hebrews chapter 6 and prove right. it. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and prove it. Yeah. You can go to Job chapter 35 and 36 and prove it. You can go to a multitude of places to prove it. You can go to King Asa, who died mad at the Lord and still calling on the physicians rather than calling on the name right. of the Lord. Right. But yet he'd done marvelous and wonderful works yeah. uh, in in the name of the Lord. You could go to just Lot, who is in heaven right now. I don't want to belabor the point. There are many, many scriptures and many, many examples. The apostle Paul himself was afraid lest he be a castaway. Him preaching to others, but yet he himself, because he didn't keep under his body and stay as diligent as he ought to be, that he would wind up falling away. David in Psalm 119 said, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. There are so many places you could go. But I want to try to speak about how the Lord preserves, what he preserves uh, in us today. And that should give us all the boldness in the world and the confidence in the Lord to carry on in our life and to have great comfort that even if we see others fall by the wayside, we should try to adjure them to repent in the name yeah. of Jesus Christ. We should try to encourage them. Right. We which are spiritual ought to try to restore them. Yeah. But my friends, we should never be shaken in our confidence that what the Lord has preserved and what the Lord has done, he's going to do. Right. Okay. So here he says, we're sanctified, holy body, soul, and spirit. And we know that we're a trinity in ourselves, body, soul, and spirit, right. just as God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so body, soul, and spirit. Well, let's look at soul and spirit because the Bible is very plain that when you're born again the Spirit of God, that he places himself within you. 1 John 3, 9 says that whoever's born again uh, does not commit sin. Right. For his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin for he is born of God. You see, when you're born of God, you don't get unborn of God. Amen. Jesus Christ in John chapter 6 said, He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But if you're saying somebody has come uh, in the new birth and they believed, but yet somehow they falter in their belief, somehow they fall away, 
then you're saying that the words of Jesus are not so. Because my friends, if you were to lose your eternal life, I don't know how much more spiritually hungry and thirsty you could get. But Jesus said it's not possible that one who has truly come to him in regeneration, that they can ever spiritually hunger uh, and be destitute of spiritual food. And one who has come to true belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, that can only be secondary to the regeneration. My friends, it is secure in the Lord, even though... You know, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, around verse 11, I think it is, verse 13 possibly, he said, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So the new birth acquires something. Go with me to the book of Colossians, and we're going to look at just a couple of pictures from the Word of God about body, soul, and spirit, and what is done in the new birth, and why the soul and spirit are preserved, and we can see a distinction uh, I'm very thankful that uh, we are told in the Word of God that He hath torn down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. And He's taken all of our sin and iniquities, all of those things that condemned us according to the writ of the law, and they've been nailed to His cross. He's not asking you to nail them to His cross. They were nailed to His cross. That means that when He died upon that cross, He extinguished, He he. Uh, satisfied all the just wrath of his father against sinful man, his elect, okay? So he paid for those sins. We go to Colossians uh, chapter two, and he's going to tell you very plainly about some things that the Lord has done. He said, verse eight, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Those are very pertinent words because the rudiments of the world teach you that nothing is free. And we know that's the case. Yeah. We know that's the case. We know that nothing in this world comes free. Right. There's billboards out there. You know, go to whatever Holiday Inn or whatever, free breakfast. You show up there and ask for that breakfast if you haven't paid for a room. See how much <laughs> breakfast you get. Yeah. See, free it and free to this world. But free is free to Jesus Christ. Amen. Free is free to God. Okay? So don't. Trust in the rudiments of the world. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Put all of that away. But here he says, uh, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How is it you could say you do your part and I'll do mine when God is telling you here that all of the fullness of God. And when I say the fullness of God, it means the satisfaction of God. It means the peace of God. It means the joy of God. It means the victory of God was fulfilled in Jesus Christ in his body, in his presence, in his life. He said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, what is a circumcision? It's a circular cut. I don't want to be gross, and I've I've mentioned this passage of scripture here before, but we hope to build on it just a little bit. A circumcision is a circular cut. And what happens? That which is dead is thrown away. It's separated. Nobody keeps that. Nobody wants to, okay? Uh, So it's cast away. It's separated. A separation has been made. So not only is it a separating, it's also given as a token that something has already happened, you see? You know, a token at Chuck E. Cheese means some money's already been paid. You've got the token in your hand, okay? Chuck E. Cheese is already satisfied, and that's why you've got the token. My friends, when you get a token of salvation, God's already satisfied. See, the price has already been paid. So, he tells you here, and what is this put off thing? Now, here he's talking about something literal and physical, 
but he's drawing a spiritual conclusion, a spiritual picture. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. See, we have something done in us that's made without hands. A doctor doesn't need to do it. The great physician is the one who's done it. He didn't make an incision, but he still pierced to the very heart of the issue, and he made a separation. He took that which was dead, and it was cast away. Okay, so in the new birth, my friend, soul and spirit have been changed. Okay, the new birth works upon the spirit of man. And it's then and only then that that the spirit of God maketh, uh, the spirit of God beareth witness with our spirit that we can become the children. No, we are the sons of God. We are the children of God. So when that new birth comes and that's the wind bloweth where it listeth, the Lord sends it, there's a separation made. So the body of the sins of the flesh, they can never, ever undo what the Lord has done. Why? Because he himself has made a separation. He has made the cut. He has made the incision. He is the one who has done that perfect work in you. So therefore, all of the sins and the motions and the motives and that which is corrupt about this flesh, it cannot corrupt the soul and spirit which God has already changed. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Why? Because your soul and spirit is already ready to be in the presence of the Lord. He has made that distinction. And I tell you, he didn't just stop there. He said, buried with him in baptism. Is that water baptism? No, it's spirit baptism. It's the, basically, it's the death of Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, you know, uh, rather than spirit baptism, let me reword that. It is you being represented in the death of Jesus right. Christ. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, around verse 17, I think it is, maybe verse 14, I apologize. Uh, he said, For the love of Christ constraineth us, for we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You see, Jesus Christ said, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And that baptism he was talking about was not through the waters of Jordan. He had already done that for our example, but he was going to be completely immersed in sorrow and pain and agony and in death. So therefore, he buried, we were buried with him in death. All of the wrath of the Father came down. When he truly, when he said it is finished, he meant it was finished. He said, you're buried with him in baptism. That's the baptism of suffering and grief. And because he's taken that upon himself, my friends, when you die, you don't have to be worried about suffering and grief. There's no such thing as purgatory. The only purging that has ever been took place for the elect upon the tree of the cross. All those others will suffer a second death. And they will live on dying, as it were. He said, buried with him in baptism, wherein ye are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. I love how God brags on himself through the voice of the apostles. You are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Now, you ought to have faith. And if you don't have faith, and if I don't have faith, we ought to repent. We ought to, we, we ought to really... You know, we should have faith in the Lord. We have every reason to have faith and no excuses not to have faith. But this is the faith of the operation of God. That means that Jesus Christ, who was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, when he satisfied the just wrath of his Father, when he paid to the jot and the tittle all of our sin debt, He shed the blood, did everything that was necessary for us. We were buried with him in baptism. He did that for us because we had not even been born yet. Nobody in this building yet. He did that for us in his body. And then he went on, and my friends, and we are risen with him. 
In, in Romans chapter 4, the very last verse of Romans chapter 4, he talks about uh, how he, he uh, um, how did it word it? Uh, he died, oh, good gracious, y'all, I'm sorry. Uh, it said, who was delivered, thank you, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. See, he, there he's continually telling you that what you have, you only have because the Lord chose you to have it and he fulfilled it for you, Okay. Now, notice this wording here in Colossians about the circumcision. That means the soul and spirit's over here and he has cut away the body of the sins of the flesh. Somebody may say, well, you were born again, but then you went and cheated on your husband or you went and cheated on your wife. Well, my friends, if you're truly born again, what you did in that flesh cannot undo what's already Amen. been born in you. Amen. It just cannot do it. It can't touch it. Why? Because it's already been cast away. It's already been put away by the circumcision made without hands. The Lord has already made that separation between the sins of your flesh and that perfect, pristine soul and spirit. Right. So therefore, you can have every confidence that if you're born again of the Spirit of God, heaven will be your home. Right. Now, we just know that God is satisfied, but the thing is, if you start living according to that body of the sins of the flesh, if you start dwelling in that, you will lose sight that you've yeah. been born again. And you, my friends, cannot have confidence according to the Word of God that you've even been born again if you're happy dwelling in the corruption of the flesh. Go with me. Now notice that wording. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, a lot of people say there's a word over here and it's talking about the Bible. Now, I will say every word in this Bible is a perfect expression and perfectly harmonizes with what the Spirit testifies within you of. Okay? This is the, the, you know, Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, you're talking about Jesus Christ. And this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. But the word of God here in Hebrews chapter 4 in this context where we're speaking, while this word perfectly harmonizes with that, while this word perfectly feeds that spirit that's in you, it's the spirit of God that's in you. The word of God is the spirit in you being spoken of here. And we hope to be able to show that to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, he says... Um, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now, obviously, that rest is not heaven because heaven is not of works. Right. And don't tell me you can labor without works. My, I tried to tell my dad that one time. It didn't end well for me, okay? <laughs> you cannot labor without work. You must actually do the work to labor. Well, here's a rest that you must labor to enter into. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Well, what happens if you fall into unbelief? Why is he telling you this? Because there's a word in you. There's a word in you. And this word can whip you. This word can scourge you. This spirit of God is not talking about the Bible, but the Bible perfectly testifies of this word that is in you. And it's the word of God. It's the spirit. He says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. And that term quick means quickening. It brings to life. It animates that which is dead. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. What does the Spirit of God do when you're born of the Spirit of God? My friends, it makes a separation right. between the body, which is the joints and marrow, yeah. and divides asunder the soul and spirit. Amen. When you're born again the Spirit of God, that body of flesh... There is a separation forevermore while you live in this world made between the Holy Ghost birth within you yep. and that body of flesh. 
And it said, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. His being a personal uh, thing. Now, I know that sometimes inanimate objects in the Word of God are referred to as His, but He doesn't stop there. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do, seeing then that we have a great high priest. That's who He's been talking about the whole time. The Word of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, when He comes in and He brings that new birth, it's like a two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword because it is able to divide even the soul and spirit of man from the body of flesh and the sins thereof. So you see, my friends, uh, there's nothing you can do. That's why the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, even them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that it might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he uh, uh, foreknew them he also predestinated him over whom he predestinated them he also called whom he called them he also justified whom he justified them he also glorified you see brothers and sisters he also went on in that chapter to tell you with all confidence that neither height neither life nor death no i'm sorry death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord he has preserved that And that's why you see wording such as this in uh, Romans chapter 7. This is not schizophrenia. This is doctrinal truth. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Is the Apostle Paul here telling you uh, to go around saying the devil made me do it? No. No. No But he is saying that you are a, I don't know the best way to say it, you are a binary creature, as it were. Your soul and spirit, but your body of flesh you still have hung around your neck is going to cause you grief for the rest of the days that you live here. And see, he makes a distinction there. Uh, he said, now there's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. Well, who is it, Paul? Oh, it's Paul that's doing it, but it's not, my friends, the soul and spirit of Paul that does it. It is still this corrupt body. So here, he is so confident of the preserving grace of his Lord and salvation that he is speaking even of himself as a twofold creature. A division between soul and spirit and the body of flesh. Now, he in no wise gives you permission to go around saying that I couldn't help what I did. No, because the soul and spirit in you takes away any excuse you have to dwell in sin. Because he is the power of God in you. He is inhabiting your heart. He is testifying unto you. He has written his law in your heart. And my friends, you have the power 
power to subjugate this body. Oh, you mean I can live seamless and sinless? No, I didn't say that. But I am saying you can recognize sin and you can purge sin from your body. You can do it. There's no excuse not to do it. Now, again, you'll continually be burning off dross the rest of the time that you live. But my friends, you will not be sinless perfection until the Lord brings you home. But you know, even though you're a binary creature, I guess that's a proper way to say it. He's also preserved this body. And I close in Romans chapter 8. Such wonderful words. In Romans chapter 8, he tells you this. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be, that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now why do you say ye are not in the flesh? Well, in standing, in condemnation, you're not in the flesh. But again, if you're in the spirit, my friends, you have no excuse to live according to the flesh. Okay? You have no excuse to live according to the flesh. We can choose to do what's right, and we ought to do what's right, and we ought to feel that we ought to do what's right. He said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's plain. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Notice that. The body is dead because of sin. Well, Brother Joe, I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. Yeah, but you're getting deader and deader as the days go on. Your body's useless. It's feckless. It's worthless. It's rotten. It's corrupt. Why else at the end of Romans chapter 7, he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You're hung around the neck with this old sorry dead carcass. And my, my friends, let me tell you something. According to the work of Almighty God, it's dead. And it cannot cause you a condemnation any longer. The Lord has made a separation in it. And while He will still scourge you for heeding, the, the motives of the flesh that's still within you, it cannot undo what the Lord has done. He says, body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I'm thankful I've got something in me that's actually clean. Because I'm going to tell you something, I don't feel clean a lot of the time. Amen. I mean, I, Amen. I just don't. I feel so, so useless so oftentimes. Do y'all ever feel that way? You feel like, you know, I've been shown so much, I've been given so much. I mean, y'all look at me up here. I got my little shirt, my tie on. You know, a lot of times I got on a suit, all gussied up and everything. Oh, Brother Joe, Brother Joe, Brother Chris, Brother Chris, Brother Buddy, Brother Luke. You know, oh, they look at them. Oh, they really got it together. I wish, I, I wish to God I had it together. Amen, brother. Amen. Me too. I wish I could live the clean life I want to live. People talk about, oh, man, if I believed, I could all believed. I'd just go out and do this no, and that. I don't no, want to do that anymore. I've done that. I've done that. It's death. It's dead. It's what it is. It's death. And I'm glad there's something in me that is pleasing to the Lord. He's made a separation. What I need to do is that which is clean in me. Oh, my friends, let us continually keep under this body. Don't, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't, and don't seed the ground. 
Don't do it. Fight the battle that the Lord has given you to fight. Because I'm telling you, one day, these bodies are going to be beautiful. Oh, they're going to be so fine. going to be wonderful. Amen. You know, I, I went and had the surgery and I've lost the weight and this, that, and the other. But you know, I'm still gray as a millhouse rat. I'm, I'm getting grayer day by day. This body is going toward the grave. But That's one right. of these days, the Lord's going to come with a shout. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because he hasn't just preserved your soul and spirit. He's preserved that body. That's yeah. right. And the same it that has been sown in weakness is the same it that will come up in power. And I'm thankful the Lord that he has determined to do it and he will do it. Amen. For me, that astounds me. Come ahead, Brother John. Appreciate you. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 